Welcome back to our Wednesday Bible study. And in this video today, we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 16. Now, keep in mind that the, the past couple of chapters have both dealt with the crossing of the Red Sea. And then the last part of the last chapter, it dealt with that they needed water. Now, think about this. You have a large group of Israelites going through the desert, going through the wilderness. And one of the things they needed, of course, was water. What else do they need? They're going to need food, aren't they? And that's a lot of people that you have to provide for. And in this chapter, what we're going to see, just like the end of the last chapter, last chapter they were complaining about how they didn't have anything to drink. Now they're going to complain about how they don't have anything to eat. But what we see both times is the fact that God, he takes care of them both times. God has always done things to take care of the Israelites uh, throughout their difficult times. And actually, kind of before we get into this chapter, I want to read a couple of things. Uh, one of them is actually a study note from the Net Bible, um, which, uh, you know, by the way, you can kind of look at, uh, follow the links in the description below of this video, and you can find out about how to, uh, to look at the Net Bible and some of these study notes that I'm bringing up. And if you have more questions about those, you know, you can reach out to me and contact me if you, if you can't figure out how to get a hold of some of those study notes, because there's, there's a lot of notes if you want to dive down deep into all sorts of things about what the Bible says. But anyways, here in Exodus chapter 16, at the beginning of this chapter, uh, the Net Bible, uh, they put a little uh, footnote about it and describing about the chapter as a whole. And it says that its themes are lack of vital necessities, murmuring, uh, proving, and providing. All the wilderness stories uh, reiterate the same motifs. So basically, what we're going to see in this story and what we see so many times throughout the wilderness is the fact that they are going to complain about things and then God is going to provide. You know, there's a few more things they kind of mention there, but, but those are just themes that we keep seeing. And those are themes that we're going to see in this chapter. This chapter deals with the, the very famous uh, manna. And once again, before we get into the actual chapter in the book of Exodus, uh, I want to read a passage from Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, uh, now, this is another passage where uh, where Moses is kind of um, giving them, I guess, a little bit of a pep talk, you might say, before they enter into the promised land. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, he talks about this occasion here with the manna. And he, he speaks about what God's purpose was in all that. And this is what we read. So he humbled you by making you hungry and then feeding you with unfamiliar manna. He did this to teach you that humankind cannot live by bread alone but also by everything that comes from the Lord's mouth. You probably are familiar with especially that, that last half because that's, that's part of what our Lord quoted, remember? That whenever he was being tempted in the wilderness uh, for those uh, 40 days or you know after that 40 days of, of fasting, he was tempted and he responded with this passage right here uh, about how um, that uh, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. I know here in the Net Bible, it's, it's uh, recorded a little different, but the message is still the same. And this, this is so powerful for us to understand. But we learn this through the story of manna. So now let's dive in and take a look at this story about manna and how God provides. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. When they journeyed from Elam, the entire company of Israelites came to the wilderness of Sin which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 14th day of the second month after their exodus from the land of Egypt. The entire company of Israelites murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. 
The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people will go out and gather the amount for each day so that I may test them. They will walk, uh, will they walk in my law or not? On the sixth day, when they prepared uh, what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather every other day. Okay, let's pause right here. So we're already starting to see a little bit of, of, of what God is going to do, how he's going to provide uh, for the Israelites here. But let's notice some of these things as we approach them. I mean, look at verse one. We are a month and a half into this journey right after the Exodus. I mean, you look at this, it's the 15th day. So middle of the month of the second month. So we're not the first month, okay? So they lasted longer than 15 days. So here we have about a month and a half into this journey. And verse two tells us that the entire company started to murmur. Who were they complaining against? Well, they complained to Moses and Aaron. They complained against Moses and Aaron. We'll find out later that really they weren't complaining uh, against Moses and Aaron. They were actually complaining against God. But, you know, you kind of put those things together anyways. But here what we find out is they have a problem and they also do something that, I don't know, I guess it's just something that we as humans tend to do. You know, we, we think back oftentimes about uh, you know, maybe kind of the good old days. And, you know, sometimes whenever we think back to those good old days, sometimes they really were good. But sometimes we have this tendency of making the good old days out to be a little bit better than what they really were. Look at what they're saying. They're talking about how they had these pots of meat and they had all this bread to eat um, in, in Egypt. You know, they had all these things. Are they really forgetting how it was? I mean, it's been a month and a half. Have they really already forgotten how bad it was in the land of Egypt? I mean, when they were in the land of Egypt, they were constantly crying out to God. So right here, now they're kind of almost saying that, well, we had it better off back in Egypt. Was that true? No, not really. They're thinking back to what they think were maybe the good old days. I, I don't know. They were enslaved. I, I really don't see how they can make such such arguments, but you know, sometimes whenever people are just wanting to be argumentative, sometimes the arguments don't really make sense. And this doesn't. This really doesn't. Because if anything, they are on this miraculous journey with the God of all creation. Surely they know this by now. Verse 4 tells us that how God is going to help them in this is he is going to rain down, not rain, you know, not water. This time it is going to be bread from heaven. And, you know, sometimes we sing about this, about the bread of heaven. Uh, and this is, you know, what we call manna. In fact, some passages in the Bible uh, relate this to uh, being called the food of angels. And and I can't help, but uh, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I think that's okay. But we'll get into what manna uh, is in just a little bit. Um, but when you look at this description, I can't help but, uh, but think there is some connection with what we call angel food cake. You know, if you're familiar with that, it's really light and and fluffy and very airy, and, and it's also um, uh, white in color. But all of those things, um, you know, we, we kind of associate that food, and and uh, I think that's kind of an interesting thing to think about whenever you are, are talking about manna. So perhaps the next time that you have a, a slice of angel food cake, uh, you can remember that, uh, that the God uh, of the Bible 
he provided for the Israelites during this time with manna. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But he provides this bread from heaven. And why did he do that? Well, he actually tells us here in verse 4 that it's a test, that he may test them. Will they walk in my law or not? By the way, let me go ahead and, and mention this because I don't want people to get too confused because there's a few of these things uh, in this chapter. But, you know, right here, uh, will they walk in my law or not? Okay, has the law of Moses been written yet? Uh, no, we, we haven't gotten there yet. We're a few chapters later, they're going to get to Mount Sinai and they're going to receive the law of Moses. So what God is saying right here is there is a law that predates the law of Moses. You know, there are commands of God that predate even the, you know, the written down law of Moses. It's kind of interesting to think about, but, you know, God was revealing himself uh, to the people uh, very, very early on. You know, you know, it, it, they weren't always just dependent upon uh, what the Bible itself said, because, you know, everybody up to this point in history, in fact, everybody who is still uh, alive and, and uh, uh, working things out uh, during the book of Exodus, they didn't have the Bible. I mean, they didn't even have, at some point, Moses wrote down uh, Genesis and, and Exodus and, and some of those other first few books, but they hadn't even been really written down yet. But they still had the stories. They still knew that. They, they still had, had carried these things down. Those who are faithful to God have always been entrusted with, with sharing the words of God and what God has done uh, throughout time. So, yes, this is a test then. It's a test to see whether or not they're going to follow the commands of God whether or not they're going to follow the laws of God. And they have that option, just like what we have the option today as to whether or not we are going to follow the commands of God or if we're going to try to, to find some other way to do things. You know, we have the ability uh, to follow God's commands or we can try to find another way. It never goes well when you try to find another way. I'll just go ahead and tell you that right now. There's more to this chapter, so now let's see uh, about uh, what happens later. Now, verses six through nine, Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your murmurings against the Lord. As for us, what are we that you should murmur against us? Moses said, you will know this when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread in the morning to satisfy you because the Lord has heard your murmurings that you are murmuring against him. As for us, what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, tell the whole community of the Israelites, come before the Lord because he has heard your murmuring. Okay, so verses six through nine. Now we start to see that uh, th this statement is made. It's, it's amazing to me that, that uh, Moses um, that, and Aaron, they both say this in verse six. In the evening, you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. They should have already known this, shouldn't they? I mean, do you really need more of a miracle than the crossing of the Red Sea? I mean, do you really need more? Uh, let, let's even back up just a little bit more than that. The 10 plagues that, that led to them being able to, to exit out of Egypt. God has been behind all of this from the very beginning. It's been his plan to bring his people out of Egypt. But they still have doubts. They still don't really fully have faith in God. They're still murmuring against him. They're they're grumbling, they're complaining against him. And Moses specifically, you know, states that, look, it's not against us. It's not against Moses and Aaron that they're really complaining. They're complaining against the Lord. 
Then in verse 9, it's kind of a scary thought because whenever you're complaining against the Lord and then this is stated about you or to you, come before the Lord because he has heard your murmurings. What do you think is going to happen? You complain to God and then God really summons you before him. And he says, okay, I've heard your murmurings. What's he going to do? What is God going to do? Well, now let's look at verses 10 through 15 and see. As Aaron spoke to the whole community of the Israelites and they looked toward the wilderness, there the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the murmurings of the Israelites. Tell them, during the evening you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be satisfied with bread, so that you will know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening the quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning a layer of dew was all around the camp. When the layer of dew had evaporated, there on the surface of the wilderness was a thin, flaky substance, thin like frost on the earth. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? Because they did not know what it is. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you for food. Okay, so this is where uh, we get in, in this description about uh, you know what manna kind of looks like and, and everything. And what we see is this is how uh, God provided this food. He provided meat, he provided bread, and he said beforehand, he said, you're going to know that I have brought you out of Egypt. And they're going to see this glory of the Lord. Now, you know, when you start to look at this, you see that, that this glory of the Lord, it appeared in the cloud. You know, we've seen God's presence all throughout this, this occasion, that he has ways of, of revealing himself to them, of showing himself to them. You know, of course, with the, the revelation that we have, the, and the greatest revelation, I would say, that, that we have about how God has shown himself to us is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, in the book of Exodus, they haven't had that yet, but we do now. We, we can look back on that, and we can see uh, th this connection here. But they had some other way of being able to see this glory so that they would know that the Lord is their God and that he is working mightily in, in everything about their lives. He is providing whenever they are murmuring. It's amazing that, that God cares so much about them, even among them complaining. But our God, he does care. Okay, so now here, whenever you get into this, this manna, uh, I always kind of think it's funny because whenever people start to ask, well, you know, what, what is manna? And it, that's exactly what it means. The, the name manna, it means what is it? So there's this interesting connection because apparently they were trying to figure it out too. Whenever they got this manna, they were like, well, what is it? It is this bread, it is this bread of heaven. Now, you know, we might be able to try to compare it to some of these usual foods that we eat. And, you know, maybe sometimes even people have tried to, to make foods that are like it, like what I was kind of mentioning before about the, the angel food cake. I, I don't think it's really the same thing. I don't think they were really trying to, to make it just like manna because, you know, obviously it talks about how it's how it's uh, this, uh, this thin uh, layer, this thin flaky substance. Well, that's not really how um, the uh, angel food is anyways. But it can remind us about these stories and about how God has, has provided bread in times past. But, you know, God isn't done yet because remember, this is a test. He's heard the murmurings. He provides for them. But now, what's going to happen? Are they going to listen to the commands of God? That's what the test is. Are they going to listen to him or are they not? 
Verses 16 through 18 now. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each person is to gather from it what he can, an omer per person according to the number of your people. Each one will pick it up for whoever lives in his tent. The Israelites did so, and they gathered some more, some less. When they measured with an omer, the one who gathered much had nothing left over, and the one who had gathered little lacked nothing. Each one had gathered what he could eat. Now, I think there's just kind of, at least on a little bit of a practical sense, I think there is a lesson that we can learn here. Because whenever they collected this food, obviously not everybody's going to collect the exact uh, amount, the, you know, the exact same amount. Some people gathered a little more than what they really needed to, and some people gathered a little bit less than what they really needed to. But whenever they divided it all up, according to the measures, according to uh, what God had set up with them. Everybody had exactly what they needed. And I think that there is, is something to be said about, you know, the things that, that God gives us. Sometimes people in the church, they might have a little bit more than what they need. Some people in the church, they might have a little bit less than what they need. But if we come together, we can kind of provide and fill in some of the gaps of those, those people who might need a little bit more. Those who have, uh, uh, who have a little bit more can help those who don't have that so that everybody can have enough and so that everybody uh, will be able to, to continue on at, you know, as they should. Um, but yeah, I think that we kind of see a little bit of a, of a lesson here in, in taking care of, of one another and helping one another out. But there's more about the commands of what God is saying uh, with this manna and collecting it. Verses 19 through 26 now. Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning, but they did not listen to Moses. Some kept part of it until morning, and it was full of worms and began to stink, and Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it each morning, each person, according to what he could eat, and when the sun got hot, it would melt. And on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, two omers per person, and all the leaders of the community came and told Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a time of cessation from work, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Whatever you want to bake, bake today. Whatever you want to boil, boil today. Whatever is left, put aside for yourselves to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, just as the Lord had commanded. And it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the area. Six days you will gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Okay, so now we get a little bit more about how this, this is going to happen. Obviously, whenever God is going to miraculously provide for his people, it's okay for him to set up a few additional rules. These are some of those additional rules. Are they going to listen? Well, they didn't. You know, whenever Moses says, you're not supposed to keep it until morning, they tried to do it anyway. They're not going to listen. And then, you know, you see what happened to it. They didn't listen to him, and it was full of worms. It started to stink and everything. So it just it doesn't work like that. But then what we see is on the Sabbath day, you know, they're not supposed to be working on the Sabbath day. Now, this is another one of those times. I told you there's a few of these things like, you know, in this chapter. Um, they haven't been specifically, you know, the Ten Commandments hasn't, hasn't been handed to them yet. But the concept of the Sabbath day, I think that what we see is, that goes back all the way into the time period of the book of Genesis, remember? That the concept of, of the Sabbath, um, it was something that, that uh, was supposed to be uh, re remembered 
you know, that the Sabbath, it is supposed to be holy. There is something that is supposed to be uh, remembered about that day and, and set it aside uh, to the Lord, that even the Lord, whenever he created everything, he rested on that Sabbath day. He rested in the fact that his creation was complete. And here, they've been given this command that they're supposed to collect twice as much as what they need the day before. Now, that, that's kind of interesting because, you know, it seems to us like, well, that shouldn't work because if they keep it overnight, of course, it's going to get worms and start to smell like what they what they did before. But it doesn't work like that because God makes it work differently. Because he tells them that they needed to observe that Sabbath. So what happened whenever the Sabbath day came? Verses 27 through 31. Let's take a look. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they found nothing. So the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to obey my commandments and my instructions? See, because the Lord has given you the Sabbath, that is why he is giving you food for two days on the sixth day. Each of you stay where you are. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed and was white, and it tasted like wafers with honey. So now we get even more uh, of a description of kind of what this, this manna was like and, and how it was uh, like this wafers with honey. I don't know. It's kind of interesting description, isn't it? So they weren't supposed to keep it till the next day, typically. Some people didn't listen. They tried to, to keep it for the next day, and it became rotten. Okay, so then for the seventh day, in order for them to not carry out work on the seventh day, they had to collect twice as much as what they needed the day before. So are they going to listen? No, they didn't listen. They still didn't listen. That's why the Lord responds with, How long do you refuse to obey my commandments and my instructions? What about us today? Do we listen to the commands of God? Do we listen to the instructions of God? You know, I'd say, yeah, probably a lot of people here, even in, in the book of Exodus, they were listening to God, but you still had some who didn't. What about today? I mean, are we people who are going to listen to the commands of God, who are going to listen to the instructions of God? Or are we going to be just like the humans that we're reading about here, who constantly, they try to do things a different way. They try to find some other uh, way and they just they're still refusing to submit to God they're not really ready to submit fully to God but God has provided them God still cares so much for them they murmur they complain but God provides food and provides their necessities and God wants them to remember that he is providing for them that's why we get toward the end of this chapter that, that God wants them to remember and this is what's to be that reminder Verses 32 through 36 now. And with this, we end the, the chapter. So verses 32. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer uh, with it to be kept for generations to come so that they may see the food I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out from the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put in it an omer full of manna and place it before the Lord to keep for generations to come. So as the Lord commanded Moses, uh, just as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony for safekeeping. Now the Israelites ate manna forty years until they came to a land that was inhabited. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is a tenth of an ephah. Little interesting things there at the the last little bit, but you know that's how the chapter ends. 
But here, this is what God wanted them to, to do. He wanted them to remember this. So they, they kept part uh, what one person would have eaten. And uh, by the way, the little, um, it, I'm sure that if you look at different footnotes, you might get a uh, little, you know, different descriptions about um, what, uh, what size, you know, this was and everything. But um, for, from what I see here in the, in the footnotes uh, of the, uh, the Net Bible, um, the Omer, that size, it's actually only mentioned in this chapter of the Bible. Uh, but some of your recent English versions, uh, they, they kind of um, say that it would be about two quarts is what they were expecting. I don't know. Two quarts seems like kind of a lot for, for uh, individual uh, for an entire day. But I mean, I guess when you think about for a whole day, yeah, we do need quite a bit of food, don't we? But they were supposed to set that side. So, you know, it was kind of a jar, maybe, maybe two quarts. So, you know, maybe about a half a gallon or so uh, of, of this manna. And where were they supposed to put it? Right here in verse 34, it says, placed it before the testimony for safekeeping. Now, this would be uh, within the, the Ark of the Covenant. You know, the Ark of the Covenant was a box that they would open up. Now, they haven't built the Ark yet, so, you know, obviously they do this later. Um, but, uh, you know, at some point they do keep that for safekeeping. Um, so, yeah, as we, as we look at this chapter, you know, we've seen a few things that it, it talks about the laws, uh, you know, ahead of time before the law of Moses ever comes. because there's more of a history to the law of Moses than just Moses himself. These laws come from God. They're, they don't go back to Moses. They go back to God. And here, uh, this, this testimony, it was to be this reminder that the Lord provided. And that is the food that, you know, it was provided. And, you know, sadly, we, that was kind of lost to history. So we don't still have that jar. Uh, it would be kind of cool to be able to, to look at it. But, but, you know, we don't have it. But we do have the record of it. And we still know that, that these things happened and that God miraculously provided food. He provided this bread of heaven for them whenever they needed it. By the way, if you're wanting just kind of a, a little bit more uh, to, to look at concerning this, this bread of heaven and all, you can find a lot of parallels between this chapter here of Exodus 16 and in John's gospel, in John chapter 6. Because throughout that entire chapter, Jesus talks about himself being the bread of heaven. You know, that's that, that passage where he says that uh, I am the bread uh, of, of life. He is that bread of life, ultimately. You know, that manna, it's really cool. I mean, I, I kind of like talking about it and, and kind of thinking about, well, what would it really be like? And, and you know, how do you think it would have been whenever you're, you're gathering it up and stuff like that? But ultimately, whenever it comes down to it, that manna only sustained them for, what, 40 years? But Jesus Christ, he is this true bread of heaven. And Jesus Christ has been sustaining the church for 2,000 years, and he's going to continue to do that until the end of time. He is the true bread of heaven, and we need to, to come to him and feast on his word, because we don't live by bread alone, remember, but we live by the words of God, the words of Jesus Christ, what he has revealed to us, what he has shown us. Let's focus on those words. Let's share those words with one another, and let's make sure that we meditate upon them. Thank you very much for joining us uh, in this video. And we'll take a look at the next chapter next week.